A reading from the Gospel according to St. John, beginning at the 21st chapter, the first verse. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach. The disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. A disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put on some clothes, or he was naked, and jumped into the lake. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. 
Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. These are our sacred stories. Thanks be to God. Our lection this morning was added after the rest of the gospel. The original ending of John did not have it. So why was it added? The Gospel of John was written around 100 years after Jesus' death, and this ending was added sometime after that. Around the same time, between 66 and 136 CE, Rome was oppressing and abusing the Jews. The temple was destroyed. Jerusalem was laid waste. Christianity at the time wasn't much more than a Jewish sect, and the Romans weren't worried about theology. They were viciously persecuting all Jews. This brutality had a tremendous impact on the emerging Christian movement. Those early followers of Jesus expected him to return quickly, within a generation or so of his death. But he didn't. And while Jesus' followers waited for Jesus to bring God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, their lives in the Roman Empire grew worse and worse. Those followers of Jesus were expecting triumph, but instead were fighting alongside their Jewish cousins against Rome just to stay alive. It seems to me that they needed this story. Perhaps we do, too. The disciples have been fishing all night. Why are they fishing? What else are they going to do? They were fishermen before they left their boats and their nets to follow Jesus, and now Jesus is dead. Only he's resurrected, and they've seen him, but then he went away again. The resurrected Jesus is not with them all the time like Jesus was before he was crucified. He's not there each day to literally follow, and so back to fishing. But it seems their time away from the water and the fish has made them rusty at best. Really awful fishermen might be a better description. They've worked all night long and they've caught nothing. Empty nets. They're naked, stripped, empty. Everything is bare. They don't know what to do without Jesus right there with them all the time. Surely this story resonated with the followers of Jesus around the time that it was written. Surely they knew this feeling, the emptiness, the listlessness. They asked themselves and each other, what should we do? Where is Jesus? As the story goes, after this long, exposed night, a stranger arrives with the dawn. 
The stranger notices their emptiness. Children, you've no fish, have you? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. And so they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and he jumped in the lake. But the other disciples came in with the boat, dragging the net full of fish. From scarcity to abundance. Something in the telling and in the doing, and Jesus is made known to them. And wow, did they catch a lot of fish. In those days, it was rich people who ate fish. The disciples have now caught so many large fish, 153 of them, the text tells us. This number is given like so many numbers in these stories to let us know just how abundant God's realm is. This 153 fish is like the 120 to 180 gallons of wine Jesus made out of that water. It's like the enormous amount of flour that woman worked into bread. It's 12 baskets of leftovers, even when you're feeding more than 5,000. The realm of God is about abundance and provision, not scarcity and fear. And then Jesus doesn't say, okay, go sell that fish and get rich. No. Jesus says, let's eat. The disciples go from empty to full, from lack the banquet, from despair to a feast, from scarcity to abundance, and then from feasting to questioning and commissioning. The story tells us when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lamb. And then a second time, and then a third time. Do you love me? You know that I love you. Be tend. Much has been made of this exchange between Jesus and Peter. Oh, Peter. It's not simply the fact that Peter is asked three times if he loves Jesus, the same number of times that he denies knowing Jesus. It seems to me that that would be enough to help us remember the denial story, but in case we need more help, the gospel writer of John, or the person who added in this story, tells us that Jesus made a charcoal fire on the shore. The Greek word for charcoal fire is used one and only one other time in the entire New Testament. It's used in John 18. While Jesus undergoes interrogation and beating, Peter warms himself by a charcoal fire and denies being a disciple. In the Gospel of John, Peter does not deny knowing Jesus, which is what happens in the Synoptic Gospel. No, he denies being Jesus' disciple. Listen. At the time of Jesus' arrest, the woman said to Peter, 
you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. And now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing around it warming themselves and Peter was also standing there with them warming himself. And they asked him, you're not also one of the disciples, are you? And he said again, I am not. And then he's asked again, did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter denied it. And at that moment, the cock crowed. Peter denies his vocation, his calling. He refuses to acknowledge that he is a disciple, that he's a follower of Jesus. Some have suggested that Jesus asks Peter if Peter loves him three times as a way of forgiving him, but I don't know. A transformation seems to happen, but perhaps it's Peter who forgives himself. Peter who moves through his feelings of shame and regret. Perhaps it's not really about forgiveness at all. The word is never used. It seems to me that this whole exchange is more about calling, vocation, identity. About following Jesus now. Now that Jesus is not with them in the body every day. It's not just the charcoal fire in this story and the denial story that draw our attention to the Greek language this morning. You likely know that Greek has more than one word for love, and a lot has been made of the Greek words for love in the Bible. Some of it's misleading, and some of it's illuminating. Our story this morning uses two of the Greek words for love, agape and philos. It's often been said that the Greek word agape for love is the love of God, unconditional love. And philos, the other Greek word for love used in this passage, is known to indicate the love of friendship. Philos is the same root word for friend in Greek. But it's misleading to suggest that these two Greek words for love are always distinct in meaning and never interchanged. Both of these words, for example, are used to describe God's love for us. But even though these two words for love are sometimes used interchangeably, it seems to me that the gospel writer is trying to tell us something in the way these Greek words for love are used. Jesus asks Peter, do you agape me? And Peter answers, you know I philos you. And Jesus asks again, do you agape me? And Peter answers again, you know I philos you. And then the third question comes and Jesus meets Peter where he is and asks, do you philos me? He uses Peter's word for love. Peter says, yes, yes, you know I philos you. Peter's chosen word for love is connected to the word for friendship. Does Peter need Jesus to know that Peter is his friend, his follower, his disciple? Is he saying, yes, I denied being your disciple, I rejected your friendship, and I love you. I'm connected to you. I love you with the love of friendship and connection. I'm a disciple. 
response, it's not that Jesus needed to hear it so much as Peter needed to say it. And having said it, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus renews Peter's calling. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. You love me, you are my follower, my friend. Live into that love. Live into the love of courage, of risk, of justice. Follow me in love. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep. These are concrete acts of grace, tangible action items. These are the actions that we live into with love, with abundance, with the knowledge that we are loved and welcomed and needed by God. What is left of this Easter tide and the gift of Earth Day last Sunday and Arbor Day this Sunday? How are we loving? What are we tending? What are we feeding? We have some answers as a community, don't we? We tend gardens and we share our produce with the women's shelter feeding women and children. We tend the color garden and provide a feast for our eyes and for the bees and the butterflies. We feed hungry children with this Sunday's first Sunday food offering. We feed LGBT plus youth at Grace Place. We feed minds through education programs. We feed spirits through music and worship and the labyrinth. We provide a refugee family with cooking supplies and a furnished home. We feed each other with connections and coffee and snacks during hospitality. And we do all of this while wars wage, while people are slaughtered, while injustice to people and our planet are daily experiences. This added story I think those early followers of Jesus needed so desperately is one we need to. The story of a breakfast feast, a banquet of love, it's offered on the edge of despair. There by the Sea of Tiberius, named for the Roman emperor. They're on the edge of despair and the threat of fear is real. And they eat of love. They cherish and are cherished, and they renew their calling, their vocation. The gospel writer thought to be done, but Jesus wasn't. Jesus seems to have known another story was needed, another charcoal fire, another chance. Jesus seems to have known then and now that we need to be reminded that we know what to do. We don't have to wait on Jesus. Jesus is here and now and has shown us the way forward, the way of planting trees for the future, the way of feasts on the edge of despair, the way of restoration and renewal, a way of filling the emptiness way of love. What then should we do? Love and cherish one another. Make sure all are fed. Practice resurrection.
plant a tree. Amen.